What's up? Welcome to Getaway Day, episode 46. My name is Gautam. His name is Mason, and today's his birthday. So happy birthday, Mason. Uh, how did you uh, celebrate? I uh, have celebrated by basically just sitting here and podcasting with you. I recorded a uh, nice little video opening some 2022. God, that's going to be hard to remember. 2022 Top Series 1 that released today as well. So that's on our YouTube already. So make sure to check that out. So this is a celebration pod. And if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and YouTube. Make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Um, Also, make sure you join our Discord server, which uh, the link is in the uh, Twitch stream here. It's also available somewhere on our Twitter page at Getaway Day Pod, also Facebook at Getaway Day Pod. Uh, so follow us there. Yep. So uh, I'll tweet out the Discord link again. Uh, if you look um, soon, and I haven't tweeted that back out yet, it is back on February 3rd. So it's a ways back there, but it is there. Today, we're going to get into um, our divisional previews for the season, which uh, will be happening at some point, we hope. Um, Batting ninth today is the lockout talk. Usually that's been leading off, but we wanted to send it back and uh, start with some more interesting topics uh, and leave the lockout stuff for the end. But we will get to that. Um, What else am I missing here before we get into it? Oh, Ryan Zimmerman retired. Uh, So we wanted to give him a moment of, of glory as he goes out. So we have uh, seen both the final expo and the first national retire in the same off season. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, cause uh, I believe Ryan Zimmerman was taken in the first round of the 2005 draft. I do not remember what pick numbers. So don't, don't it was quiz the me. Fourth pick, I believe. And the crazy thing about Zimmerman is he made it to the major leagues the same year he was drafted. Yep, you nailed it. Fourth overall pick. Um, but yeah, he uh, he played 20 games back in 2005. Um, it's incredibly rare to see someone make the, the majors that quickly. He was a college guy, um, so he was a little bit more developed. He was 20 years old when he was drafted, um, but that's still incredibly young. Right, yeah. And, you know, like, this guy was truly Mr. National because... He played 16 seasons with the team. Uh, he played in the uh, first, uh, like, world, like he won the World Series with them in 2019, of course. He played in the first game in the new Nationals Park. Uh, like, pretty much he's done everything. He's been a part of the franchise. It's going to be weird to see the Nationals without Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah, uh, we did get <coughs> a preview of that in 2020. Um but that preview was knowing full well that he was probably coming back the next year. So it, it's, it's definitely going to be weird. And with everything else, this team has kind of gone through recently. It just, the entire, that entire franchise has changed basically it, since he's come in to now, he was kind of the last remaining holdover and now it's fully Juan Soto's team. Yeah. It's all Soto from here on out. And Soto is a guy that's, sort of similar to Zimmerman in that he came to the major league so early and pretty much became like a full-time player and a star player like right away. Yeah, because Soto came up at 19, right? Yeah. 
Oh, that actually brings up, we didn't have it in the list here, but I do want to get your opinion here. Um, so there was the news today that Passan and someone else put out there that Soto had turned down the $350 million, uh 13-year extension offer um, from the uh, Nationals earlier in the offseason uh, before the lockout started. Um, so I've seen a lot of speculation um, on social media and stuff as to why he might have done that and uh, a lot of people saying, well, that's a lot of money. He should have just taken it. I have my opinion, but I'm curious to see why you think he turned it down. Yeah, so I think it makes a lot of sense why he would turn it down. I mean, obviously, it's a lot of money. Whether he makes $350 million or gets a $500 million contract, it's really not going to change his life, the way he lives his life at all. It's more... Um, helping set up for the next generation of players and by settling for something less than what he's worth. Um, he's going to really hurt other players down the line. And with the player like Soto, he would be, he's basically selling himself short by doing this deal because this is, he has a better track record than Fernando Tatis when Tatis signed his extension. Um, and he'll be, reaching that free agency at a, at a very, very young age. So, I mean, yeah, he's, got, he's still got, he still has three years on his, uh, on his rookie deal um, or his, he's got three arbitration years basically left. And then he goes into free agency at the age of 26. Yes. 25. Right? Uh, yes. 25. Um, he'll, so he'll be a free agent at 25 years old. The going rate right now for a player of his caliber is 13 years, 350 to 13, 375. Probably that's, that's the going rate. It would make a lot of sense if he took it based on his value right now and the way that contracts are right now. But like you said, he's not looking for what he's valued at right now. He's got three more years to be amazing and earn an even bigger contract. And with this new uh, new CBA, we'll see what what happens with contracts there. But it could be 500 mil or it could be 200 mil because the owners win it by a lot. But I think he'd he'd be selling himself short if he were to take it now. So. Yep. For sure. Um, Yeah. So Zimmerman retires. Soto is the new national, Mister National. Oh yeah. Until he leaves in free agency, and yeah, and then it's going to be Caber uh, yeah. or Josiah Gray. Yeah, that's not quite the same, but anyway, not at all. All right, so let's get into the NL Central. We'll whip around the division here, team by team, and then do some um, some questions about different players we've got our eyes on and and how we think the division's finally going to shake out at the end. Um, let's start out with the Cubs. So Cubs made have made a couple, or they've made a few different additions to their team before the lockout. Uh, the most notable ones were they claimed Wade Miley and exercised his option um, from the Reds. They signed Marcus Stroman to a three-year deal. They've signed Clint Frazier, traded for Harold Ramirez, Signed Jan Gomes as a backup catcher. Um, and then they lost Zach Davies, which is more of a addition by subtraction because he was awful last year. 
Yeah. So, uh, and, and the Cubs are not not done. Uh, if they are done, you should be a little concerned as a Cubs fan, because uh, while they've made some great moves in their rotation, they're still missing some key pieces. I think to be competitive at the top of the division. They did uh, at the uh, trade deadline last year pick up Nick Madrigal, though, um, as the second baseman from the White Sox, and they got uh, Cody Hoyer in the same trade. So that was a nice pickup uh, at the end of last year to bolster kind of the middle of the infield and uh, the bullpen. But I, I still think that the Cubs have some openings in, in the outfield potentially and definitely at first base. Like Frank Schwindel was awesome last year but I'm not a hundred percent certain I would buy in on him repeating. Uh, yeah. I mean, I agree that I wouldn't buy that. He's going to do the insane things that he did in the second half last season after he joined the Cubs. But I think he kind of deserves to get the first crack at it and, and let's just see what he can do. I mean, there's no downside with the kind of spot the Cubs are in right now. They're clearly not the top of this division. They're somewhere in the middle. Um, That's fair, but but if they were to be able to get Anthony Rizzo back, there's no reason why they shouldn't do that. No, and even if you bring Rizzo back, which is apparently has been talked about internally with the Cubs, I feel like Schwindel would still be the guy getting a lot of the DH at bats. Then, okay, so then you would be working Frazier in more with as a um um platoon guy um, trying to rotate him, Ortega, Hap, and Hayward probably. Yeah, there's a lot of guys in that outfield that are kind of fighting for playing time. I think Hap is the one who has the most secure role at this point. Um, Obviously, Ortega showed a lot in limited time last season, had a lot of trouble against left-handed pitching, but he'll definitely play. I think Hayward's probably going to take a reduced role now he really was pretty bad last year and he clearly seems like he's kind of slowing down in his career um yeah and he's got two more years left on his deal right yes yeah so that's that's definitely about the point where you start getting a reduced role if you're kind of one of those guys that's deemed as like a albatross contract it's kind of what the cardinals did with dexter fowler um, yeah he's kind of getting to that point where you wouldn't be too surprised if they just cut him loose. Yeah. Probably this year and then cut him loose, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the one other guy that we got to talk about here is Wilson Contreras, because what happens after this lockout lifts with Wilson Contreras is going to be very telling to see what direction the Cubs are really going. There's a couple of different things that could happen. One, they could... Um, extend him which makes a ton of sense to me because I mean he's a top tier catcher in the league and you know he's he'd be a guy to get them to the next real contending Cubs team the other thing they could do is trade him because plenty of teams would be looking to get a guy like Contreras as their catcher if they do not extend him or trade him, then I'm not exactly sure what they're doing. Like it doesn't really make sense to do that. Yeah. That would put him back in a, in the same situation they were in last year with Bryant Baez and Rizzo all at the same time. And while they were able to get some really good pieces in return for them at the deadline, 
it just they on they could have got more if they would have been a little bit more forward thinking i think there well the thing is with all those three guys you think you're going to be competitive so that one kind of made more sense but in this say in this case with a much worse supporting cast i don't think Contreras by himself is going to you know elevate this team to a playoff contender or anything but yeah that's fair the the one thing that i would be concerned about if i were a cubs fan or in the in the front office there is if they do decide to go out and trade wilson contreras because there's the the catcher's market is really really thin just altogether the the trade market's thin the free agent market's thin it's a really hard position to find a cornerstone player a guy like Yadier Molina back in the uh, mid 2000s, a guy like Wilson Contreras is now a guy like JT Realmuto. And so if they give up um, Wilson Contreras to try and get something back in return, cause they're not going to extend him. Well, Miguel Amaya, their top catching prospect is out for the year with Tommy John. So they're kind of left in no man's land for the catchers. Their next prospect is uh, Pablo Aliendo who is their 19th overall prospect according to Keith Law, but I believe he's still down at the DSL. So Yeah, so that's not going to be a solution anytime soon. And yeah. the fact that you just named probably all the corner storm catchers in the league like on one hand, I mean, it's clearly very hard to fill that role. Yeah, and so like they do have Jan Gomes, who is a, a solid... Uh, solid backup right now for sure like he's 34 years old he's still got some left in the tank young gomes has been a good catcher but he's not the catcher of the future for sure no so it's kind of one of those where you're giving up a guy who could be your cornerstone for a long time still and not having any sort of a backfill so It'll definitely be interesting to see because I I think that basically is telling me that if they move on from Contreras, they're not really intending to contend anytime soon. No, yeah, that that's kind of what I think as well. Um, so I really hope they do extend him. I really hope they trade him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um, oh yeah. Anything else on the Cubs? Um, no, I think we'll probably come back to them here in a bit. Okay, yeah, sounds good. All right, so moving on to the Cardinals, who finished really strong last year, making the wild card. Um, they kind of put a lot of things together at the, near the end of the season that they kind of been so they they were supposed to do for a while. That they finally got it all going. At the same time, they brought in Stephen Matz to bolster the back end of their rotation. Um, they lost Luis Garcia, Andrew Miller. Um, uh, this lost team, some of the guys that we got mid-season last year that helped us put together that end of the season run. And uh, Lester, uh, who's now retired, Jay Happ, who I don't think is retired, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, but yeah, and then they did uh, re-sign uh, TJ McFarlane, and Carlos Martinez is now gone too. So yeah, lots but, of lots of turnover. Yeah, lots of turnover, but kind of on the fringes of the roster. Most yes. of the key players on this team, including, I think, the entire starting lineup is back this yep. season. 100% so, of the starting lineup. Yeah, so that's going to probably be really good if they um, do what they did in the second half last season with 
Um, the outfield being very young and and showing a lot of promise and kind of breaking out in the case of O'Neill and Bader. Uh, really good season for Dylan Carlson, Carlson as well. And then you've got your two superstar corner infielders in Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt coming back, of course. So this this team's looking pretty strong um, offensively, I, I would say. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And and the the team could potentially get better as the year goes on. Because one of the other guys that, like, he's another fringe guy on the roster, but uh, one of the guys that we had on our bench all last season, and Jose Rondon, he is now gone as well. And so the bench this year is looking quite a bit different. It'll be Lars Newtbar, Andrew Kisner, but then you've got two or three more spots that who really knows where they're going to go. Are they going to go to Juan Yepes? I, I would assume probably yes, since he was added to the postseason roster um, last year. Maybe Brendan Donovan at some point this year, you're going to see Nolan Gorman. Um, and all these guys are big power bats in the minors. That um, And Gorman is the number like 20 prospect overall in the majors or 20, 24th maybe. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of power coming up too. So this lineup that looks pretty solid already is just going to get better. If these guys can come up and actually uh, get in a groove right away at the big leagues. So. Uh, one guy that really struggled last year was Paul DeYoung. Uh, does he get the first crack at the shortstop job? And if he plays badly again, is he going to lose that job to Edmundo Sosa? Yes and yes. Uh, keep it real simple. Um, yeah, I. so with Ali Marmol, I'm not 100% sure what his uh, uh, philosophy is going to be there. Um, Paul is the better defensive shortstop as of right now. He's the more established guy. Edmundo Sosa did a really good job last year when he came in. Um, and there's a lot of hope there that he's going to be really good. Paul DeYoung has been working this offseason with uh, some obviously non-Cardinals instructors on changing his swing. I think he's got a little bit of a hitch out of his swing now, and he's got a bit more of a clean path to the ball. So we'll see how that works out for him. But I do think that DeYoung and Sosa are probably going to be platooning a lot, and the one that doesn't play um, in the field is going to be DHing is yeah, my did. guess for the beginning. I the saw year. the thing about the hitting coach. He's working with a guy that worked with J.D. Martinez, uh, Mookie Betts, and Willie Adamas like before they had amazing seasons. So. Yeah, and, and Paul DeYoung has shown really, really, really good flashes in the past. I mean, the dude hit like 20. I mean, he has crazy power. That's been pretty consistent throughout his career. Yeah, he hit 30 home runs in 2019. 19 last year when he was bad, like awful last year. 113 games. He hit 197 with 19 bombs. Um, 19 back in 2018 and 25 in his rookie season. Like he's a really good defensive shortstop with a lot of power. If he can get the average figured out to where he's hitting 240, I wouldn't ever take him out of the lineup. Yep so. that that makes sense. And uh, looking at the rotation, um. You know, they've got they're getting a lot of guys back from the injury. Uh hopefully Flaherty can put together a full season after he's really struggled with the injuries the last couple of years. Uh Dakota Hudson's coming back from his Tommy John surgery. 
and Miles Michaelis, another guy that's been injured for like the last two years, basically. So they were getting three guys plus Steven Matz back to the uh, rotation to join Wainwright. Yeah, 40-year-old 40, 40 Adam Wainwright in his uh, victory parade season. Um, and he's projected to be the ace, and if he's not the ace at the end of the year, I'm going to be shocked. I'm not going to lie. Um, I have a lot of hope for Jack. Jack is such a good pitcher. He's just been dealing with kind of these, um, they're not even common injuries necessarily. Like he's kind of had some freak injuries. The last, last year was the oblique. Um, and he's had some other smaller things that were a bit, um, maybe not abnormal, but a little less, uh, repeatable, uh, of injuries. So there's a lot of hope there. And then same with the, uh, or the same thing I was saying with the lineup, there's a lot of uh, hope in the in the minor leagues right now for the Cardinals as well because uh, our number three prospect is Matthew Libertor. Um, we got him in the not the t- it wasn't the Tommy Pham trade, was it? Was it the? No, it was the Randy Rosarena trade. That's what it was. The Randy Rosarena and Jose Martinez uh, back for Matthew Libertor. And he kind of struggled for about half the year last year. And then in the second half, started to turn it on. I think he did end up making the minor league all-star game um, and then pitched really well after that. Um, So he'll be up at some point. And then Zach Thompson, um, the lefty down in the system, he's our he struggled a lot last year, but he's still young enough. Twenty four. He could figure things out and come up this year. So. Um, yeah. And then I'll just quickly touch on the bullpen here. I think it's a really good bullpen. Uh, Gallegos leading the way. Um, they're getting a guy, um, in Ryan Helsley back from his injury, Jordan Hicks as well. So I think it's a pretty deep group, pretty, uh, pretty solid bullpen. It is a power bullpen for sure. With Reyes, Hicks, Helsley, those guys all touch a hundred pretty regularly. So Okay, uh, moving along to the Brewers, who uh, they've made a few moves this offseason, not a whole lot of uh, turnover. They did lose Eduardo Escobar, Abasel Garcia to Miami. Manny Pena is gone. They brought in uh, Hunter Renfro in a trade uh, with the Red Sox and Mike Brasso. They also uh, brought in a new backup catcher, Pedro Severino. So they've made a couple additions. They're, the one thing that they're bringing back is their entire um, starting rotation and I think their entire bullpen. So what was already a really strong unit is going to be back next year, led by the three-headed monster of Corbin Burns, Brandon they, Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. They did add Trevor Gott to their bullpen. Okay. So, But other than that, yeah, it's it's 100% the same. And honestly, Trevor Gott's a pretty solid pitcher too, so... I'd be happy with that. Yep. And this, this lineup also has a lot of potential. If these guys pan out to be the, the guys they were supposed to be when they were prospects, guys like Rowdy Telez, um, Luis Urias. If those guys take the next step, this lineup could be very good. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as the Cardinals lineup at this point, but it could be, I would say. Yeah. And 
And this lineup is more like the end of the regular season Brewers lineup from last year uh, with Willie Adamas in there. Um, I would say Hunter Renfro is a pretty solid replacement for Avisile. Um I don't know if statistically he's better, but I think he's better, if that means anything. So They're pretty similar, I would say. But yeah, so I I do think this lineup could be really good, but we also saw how this lineup was kind of right there in the postseason, uh, or they just couldn't get hits, and yeah. it was a really stagnant uh, lineup then. So as much as I love every single one of these players and this lineup on paper, it it may not work out as yeah. far as getting the hits that we think it should. Um, I would be kind of surprised if it didn't work out. Like, I, I think that might have been fluky last year. But that's kind of like the one, maybe not cause of concern, but the one uh, worry that I have with uh, with this Brewers team because the, the lineup in the bullpen, or sorry, the uh, rotation in the bullpen are amazing. If this lineup can hit even middle of the pack in the league, this is the World Series favorite. Yeah, so I'll give you three names here. Uh, Nelson Cruz, Kyle Schwarber, Michael Conforto. They bring in one of those guys. I think the lineup looks completely different and way better. Yeah, because at that point, it's almost a who do you not play today question. Because like Lorenzo Cain, I think, is the bat that you would remove first. But Lorenzo Cain's defense, you don't remove. Yeah. So it's one of those that do you sit to uh, Tyrone Taylor? Do you sit, um, I don't know, Hunter Renfro for a day? Do you just rotate guys? Does Yelich not play? But I mean, Yelich gets paid enough money. He's playing every day if he's healthy. Um, but yeah, no, I think that changes this lineup entirely because it takes it from a, it could be really good to who are we not playing because we're really good. Yeah, that's obviously a good good problem to have. I mean, you can sit Renfro against tough righties. He's struggled with them in his career. Um, I mean, Kane's not going to probably play every day anyways. And then Taylor, he was a, you know, a pretty high uh, prospect for the Brewers, but he hasn't really shown that much. We don't really know what to expect from him, even though I think he's going to really get his chance in that DH spot because they are the Brewers. I really am not sure if I can expect them to go out and get one of those three guys I mentioned. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. I, I do think all three of those guys, <laughs> excuse me, um, all three of those guys, uh, price point wise, they should be able to go out and afford. I think every team in the league can go uh, afford the, uh, those three guys and would improve immediately from those three guys and Conforto, Schwarber, and Cruz. Um, but they don't like spending money. So I don't know if I'm buying it. Are they just going to try and accelerate a guy like Hedbert Perez, who has absolute massive power down in the minors? I think he's years away. He's like 20. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah, That's another thing we should mention about the Brewers. They're, they do not have a very plentiful farm system at this point. They, I don't know why, what that, what the reason is, but they're just, They've been bottom bottom tier farm system for a while now. Even though they seem to churn out 
a bunch of major league players. They're not really um, stars necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, because like their their top couple guys in their system, Bryce Terang, Sal Freelick, who was just drafted in twenty twenty one, he was their first rounder. Uh, Garrett Mitchell, all these guys are uh, they they kind of grade out to be solid players, but nobody that's like star potential. So, yep. um, two other guys I think we should talk about from their lineup. One is the Christian Yelich situation. I think about this like every day. I feel like what what happened to Christian Yelich? Like it's just curious. He he was an MVP in eighteen. He was basically an MVP before he hurt his knee in nineteen. And then, then his he, kneecap exploded. His kneecap exploded. Then he had back issues. Uh, he was really not that great in twenty. And then twenty one, he was just really just an average player. He was not anywhere near the guy they signed to a nine year deal. Yeah. I don't know. I I struggle with that because he's such a good player and his, his ceiling is insane, but it does seem like he's been dealing with injuries and um, just general wear and tear that is keeping him from being able to perform at his upper echelon there. He's probably not going to steal bases anymore. He was nearly a 40, 40 guy in 2018, wasn't he? Yeah, he was pretty close. Yeah. He was like 40, 32 or something. I think, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and but I wouldn't expect the steals to come back. His power could come back, but... It, the power but, is like, he seems like he's reverted back to his Miami days. He keeps hitting too many ground balls now. Yeah, and, and, and I wonder if most of that is just because he's in pain. So if he can get that figured out, because that knee thing alone would be enough to entirely change your swing. So add in back issues too. It, I, I really hope that he can uh, find some health and find uh, find his swing again because Christian Yelich at his best is so fun to watch. Yeah, Christian Yelich whenever scary, he's scary good. Christian Yelich when he's limping around the bases, not as fun to watch. No. Okay. Anything else on the Brewers? I thought you said you had two more guys to talk about. Oh, the other guy, the other guy was, um, uh, Keston Hira. So this guy completely lost his swing. He had a very odd, um, kind of setup at the plate. He would do a toe tap as well as a leg kick. So most players do one or the other, but he did both. So obviously more things can go wrong when you've got so much additional motion as part of your setup for hitting. So I think, this offseason, I've heard that he's worked on that swing of his and kind of eliminated some of the excess uh, motion from it. He's a guy was, that just was he always was he always behind fastballs? Yeah, he had a lot of trouble catching up with high fastballs. And yeah. yeah, it just kind of checks out and makes sense. So he's a guy that when he does make contact. Very, very good things happen. Like this guy crushes the ball. He's an exit velocity god. Um, in his rookie season, he was just hitting homers left and right. And then after that, he really fell off. He's a guy that's still very young. So it's not like he's a complete lost cause. But in 2021, he hit like 168. I mean, 
four home runs and 197 plate appearances. Like it was not, it was not pretty at all. But if, if they can get him going, he's a perfect candidate to take that DH spot because he's never really found a home at any one position on the field. Well, there's a reason for that. He's very, very, very bad defensively. Correct. That's why I said he couldn't find a home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do think that he'll get a shot pretty early on to basically every other day. They're going to be rotating between uh, Tyrone Taylor, Keston Hira, and Rowdy Telez and give Rowdy some DH spot, give him some first base, put Keston in at first, because that's kind of the only spot on the diamond that he could fit in defensively. All those and guys are really then, unproven, but yeah, they, I think they'll all get their chance to show that they should stick. Yeah, well, and I think that's why you almost have them on like a cycle, so that you keep them hitting two out of th- uh, out of every three days, and you just kind of rotate until someone clicks, and then they get their spot, and then they just stay. Yeah. So, and I I would put money on Rowdy being the guy that sticks most or sticks first. Love Rowdy. I I do too. He's got so much power. The dude is a monster. He he's like the modern Prince Fielder, just this massive human with a ton of power. And he just kind of sits there at first base and you throw it at him and the target's like this big. And <laughs> You're not that great at first base, to be honest, from what I've seen. Well, no, but I mean, he's going to knock every ball down because he's just kind of standing in the way. <laughs> yeah, we can hope. But. All right. Yeah, it- That's the Brewers. Um, now we're going to talk about a team that is uh, really, really maddening, and that's the Reds, who have gone out and done nothing in the offseason. They've not signed one single major league free agent. They lost uh, Nick Castellanos, who I assume will not re-sign with them, and they also lost Michael Lorenzen, who signed with the Angels to be a starter, which should be so- interesting. You forgot there there was one pickup that the Reds made. Major league signing? No. Okay. Minor league signing. Uh minor league signing non-roster invitee Andrew Knapp. And they brought in Jake Bowers. Don't forget about that. That is a good point. They did also bring in Jake Bowers on a minor league deal. Yeah. But yeah, no, you lose Castellanos in elite hitter. You lose Michael Lorenzen in elite Potential two-way player, elite biceps, elite biceps. Yes, and he could he could hit the ball for a pitcher. He was <laughs> he was really solid. If he would if they would give him more time to work on it, he could be a legit two-way. Could Maybe be, not yeah. like he's definitely not Shohei level, but well now they're teammates. Maybe he'll learn something. Well, I don't think they're going to give him a chance since they're teammates. I don't think they're <laughs> going to put both Lorenzen and Otani in the lineup. No, probably not. L- L- Lorenzen's just going to um, platoon with Trout. That's what's going to happen. Totally, yeah. Yeah, anyways, back to the Reds. So let's we'll talk about their uh, their fixed positions right now. So you got Jonathan India, Rookie of the Year winner. He's going to be everyday second baseman. They got Joey Votto. He's always going to be manning first base. Looks like he's kind of revived his career with uh, his new power approach. And then Jesse yeah. Winker, who had his true breakout last season. Uh, great season, even though he it was cut short by injury. But if he can stay healthy, he's probably going to be very good. Um, 
yep. as a as a hitter for them. And then, then the only other guy that I see is a lockdown. He has the position is Tyler Stevenson is a catcher. That's right. Yeah. So they traded Barnhart. So Stevenson will be getting everyday reps at catcher and he had a good rookie season. So hopefully he can build off that. But when you get past that, it's just a muddled mess of players, guys that can play infield and outfield. Some guys that don't belong at any position. It's it's crazy. So we'll just go through some guys here. Well, well, and, we'll, and before we talk about guys who really may not fit at any position, we should probably mention Jesse Winker is written in in or uh, set in stone left field, but he probably shouldn't be a left fielder. No, but that's that's a function of him being on this team. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I just want to make sure that when we say that these four are set in stone, but the rest of these guys probably don't even like have a position that they should be playing. He kind of is in that group, but he's definitely cemented in the lineup. Yeah. So All right, so first guy, Suarez, Eugenio Suarez, coming off his worst season of his career. He still had the power, still hit the 31 homers. They started him off at shortstop. That did not go well at all defensively. They moved him back to third eventually. He still never really got it going offensively until the last month of the season. He finished pretty strong. Um and then Mike Mustakas, a guy that's been on the Reds for two years now, but he's been really hampered by injuries. And just, you know, he really struggled this past season as well. So those are the two candidates to play third base. Do you see one of those two guys taking third base and the other guy taking DH? Or how do you see that shaking out? So Suarez is going to get the nod at third to start the year. Um, that was his position where he was comfortable. That's the position where he had gone out and hit like 49 bombs with like a 271 average, I think is what it was. Um, that that was his well, and even before that, like that's the position where he was, where he was comfortable and good at the same time. So I think they're gonna give him a crack at taking his position back. Not trying to make him work on playing shortstop because I, I kind of wonder if that was messing with him. Because, like you mentioned, he did actually find it there in uh, September, October of last year, where he went out and hit uh, 370, 370 with uh, eight home runs, um, only struck out 22 times, which was the second lowest out of any month last year. Like he actually, like not just settled in, but he locked on in September. And so I think he gets a crack at, at third, and I think Moose is going to be the guy that he might play second occasionally, but he's going to be mostly DHing. Yeah, it's going to be hard to find the the second right because second's like locked down basically. Oh, that's a good point. Um, yeah, so I guess he might he might play it's third first. occasionally. Then it's first but. and third—that's the only spot he can get on the field now. Yeah, but but he's not going to take first. Votto's not going to Votto's not going to let uh, well, Derek Bell put him at. Um, in DH, but uh, he wants to be in the field. Yeah, you're you're right about that. But maybe like once a week kind of thing, where Votto DHs just to keep him off his feet. I could see that. Maybe. Yeah, I thought you were going to correct me and tell me Derek Bell wasn't the manager anymore. It isn't David Bell. Dang it! Oh, <laughs> uh, Derek Derek Shelton. Derek Shelton. David Bell. Yes. <sighs> Mixing up our Gosh. central managers. It, it took again. me a while to think about that because I was like, that doesn't sound quite right, but I'm not sure what but his name is. But it's close <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, 
And then, okay, then the rest of the outfield for the Reds, they have Tyler Naquin coming back. He was pretty solid for them, actually, last year. And then a couple other guys in TJ Friedel. Uh, they got Shogo Akiyama still, Aristides Aquino, Nick Senzel. So it, there's just a ton of guys for not that many spots. And I don't know who's going to emerge from this group and really run with it. And and none of those guys have like sustained success at any point, really. No. Senzel was like the the biggest um I mean, he was the second overall pick in 2016. Like he was the big prospect for the Reds. And he never really found a home at second or center because um, they just he just couldn't get the bat going. And he and then, always got hurt. And he always got hurt. And then you had Aquino who came up and hit home runs in like what? 10 consecutive games or eight consecutive like 14 games. 14 home runs in a month. Yeah. Like it was yeah. insane. And then he just kind of fell off the face of the earth and Shogo Akiyama, uh, came over from Japan and then he played for a bit and was decent. And then he got hurt. Then he came back and was eh. and that's kind of where he's been. So like, and TJ Friedel, I honestly don't know anything about. I think he was, I mean, he's, he's very a unproven. Yeah. He, he made his debut in 21. So, he hasn't really been given the shot at it, but he's the best um, defensive center fielder that they have, I think, on this roster right now. So that may give him a leg up, at least initially, defensively. Um, and then the other guy that haven't mentioned here is um, Jose Barrero. I think he's the real wild card with this team. If he goes to play shortstop, which I think is what they should do, because he's really good defensively, that's like that's going to help this team immensely actually having a really strong up the middle defender in uh, Barrero and then maybe having Friedel in center. Well, and then that allows you to use Kyle farmer somewhere else. Cause Kyle farmer is, has insane uh, positional versatility. I mean, he's a catcher, he's a shortstop. I think he can play outfield like the corners. Yeah. And, and he's got a really good bat. Like he was one of their best players last year. Yeah, um, I mean, no offense to, uh, to Kyle Farmer, but he's not the guy you want playing shortstop on an everyday basis for you, though. No, not even a little bit. But. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, we've talked about their lineup quite a bit here. Moving over to the rotation, it's a it's a strong top half of the rotation with Luis Castillo, Tyler Malley, Sonny Gray, all very solid pitchers. Uh, Castillo obviously has the ace upside he was really good in the second half of the season after he started really slow um but then again we don't know what the reds are exactly doing here we don't know if they're gonna go out and trade one of these guys and uh they've been shopping sunny gray for a very long time um they haven't got the return that they've wanted but i think if some other team comes out um it's not going to be the Cardinals, but just for argument's sake, let's say a team like the Cardinals comes out and wants to bolster their uh, rotation because they don't trust that they're going to have uh, healthy guys all season and Michaelis and uh, Hudson and Jack. They go out, put together a nice little package for Sonny Gray, and I think he's got maybe one, two years left on his deal, potentially. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but for the right deal, like Cincinnati a movement, a heartbeat. Um this is his okay, so this is the last guaranteed year, and then there's a club option. 
um, for 2023. So, yeah, so there's still two years, basically, of control on Sonny Gray. He's a really solid pitcher. Um, and the Reds have been shopping him for about a year and a half. So I, I would guess if they're trading someone, it's going to be him. Yeah, and I guess we have to mention with their rotation, they've got two really high uh, ceiling kind of starting pitchers in Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, who are getting really close to making the major league. So I think they'll be up sometime this season. Yeah. I honestly, I think Hunter green is probably in like the month two. Lodolo might be a little bit behind that, but probably not by much. So they both finished up at triple a last season. So they are, they are quite close. And bullpen wise, uh, it's not the best bullpen. They've got some really big strikeout guys like Lucas Sims in there. Amir Garrett had a really bad season last year, but he's always shown flashes of being good. Um, they could probably use a couple, another couple arms in that pen. Yeah, because I, I think out of looking at this list here, there's only two others that I've heard of. And like, actually, no, and that would be Luis Sessa and TJ Anton. But the rest of them are just too. whole season. Yeah, he he had Tommy John last oh. summer. So I I saw him down here on the uh, injured list, but I didn't realize that was the whole season. So yeah, so they're uh, they're definitely hurting for some uh, some. They could use some known quality arms in the bullpen. I think that's the right way to phrase that. Yeah, because like uh, Art Warren, Jeff Hoffman, Justin Wilson, uh, Dory Moretta and Tony Santalon could be really good. I just don't know. Yeah. Okay, we'll uh, we'll go to the Pirates here now. The Pirates a little. (laughs) Yeah, a little gross, (laughs) a little bit different than the the other teams because they're in the clear uh, rebuild cycle. And it'll be hard to see them not finishing fifth in the division. Uh, but what do you think about what they've done this uh, this offseason here? They they brought in Jose Quintana, Zach Thompson in a trade. Uh, they, they lost uh, Jacob Stallings in that trade to Miami. Also are not going to bring back Colin Moran. Steven Brault, Chad Cool, Gregory Polanco is playing in Japan. So a little bit of turnover here. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure if these are very impactful moves. No. Um, the Quintana trade or the Quintana signing, sorry, not trade. Uh, the Quintana signing was more of a, we just kind of need a guy who's got some experience at the majors. And a guy that um, can flip at the deadline, potentially if he pitches well. If he pitches well, yes. Um but the rest of the rotation is JT Brubaker, Zach Thompson, Dylan Peters, Bryce Wilson. Mitch Keller's not on that list on roster resource, which I find a little odd. Apparently he's throwing a hundred. So I think they got to give him a shot. I, I think they got to give him a shot too. Like, like I told you earlier, I still think he's probably one of their top three um, starters in their system. It's not saying much, but it's true. They do have some um, good, Good other starters coming. Roansi Contreras, who was part of that uh, Jameson Tyon trade from the Yankees. He is a really good starting pitching prospect that 
I think is going to make his debut pretty early on this season. Okay. So they might have some guys then. And Quintana is kind of there as a veteran leadership role um, is kind of what I'm anticipating. I do really like the Zach Thompson trade. Um, it, it doesn't really seem like it would be a good trade in like at first, but he's a solid prospect. Um, I think he's the 125th overall prospect. Nah, I don't think I'm reading that right. Um, but fifth round pick by the White Sox back in 2014. Um, they gave up Stallings for him, and I think they might have got one other prospect. But they did that knowing that they currently have um, Roberto Perez on the roster, uh, who they signed as a free agent. And uh, then they um, have Henry Davis in the system, the number one overall pick from last year. And he's a catcher as well. So that move made sense to me. Quintana, if you're just trying to earn some innings, okay, I could see it. And that is a, definitely a big need for this this club, I think. They yes. just got to get through the season. That's that's the goal. Pretty much. And hopefully not lose 100. Yeah. Lineup-wise, they've got Key Brian Hayes, hopefully going to be healthy with his wrist and uh, hand kind of issues. This past season, it was not it was not a great season overall. Uh, they did bring back Yoshi Tsutsugo after he was really good at the end of the season for them. Uh, Brian Reynolds had an awesome season, and I really think he's a you know great player. Kind of stuck on a really bad club. The rest of the lineup's just kind of very bad. We will get to see O'Neill Cruz at short. Yes, we will. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch. He's what, 6'6? Six, six? Yeah, he's 6'7. Six, yeah, 6'7. He's a power hitting shortstop. Dude is a monster. Um, so he'll be. I can't remember. Did he debut at the end of last year? He did. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll be having his rookie season um, this season. Uh, he's only 23 years old. So him and Key Bryant could be a nice, solid, uh, solid core for years to come. So, but yeah, then Kevin Newman, Michael Chavis, Anthony Alford, Ben Gamel, they're kind of just replacement level guys. Yep. You got to just keep playing out the string and see if anything sticks. You know, maybe you'll find the next Frank Schwindel if you're lucky. Yep. And then uh, I was looking at their, uh, their bullpen here real quick. David Bednar is pretty good. Yeah, Bednar. Um, outside of that, I wouldn't put guys. money. I wouldn't put money on anyone, but they have uh, they have people in shirts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's uh, that's certainly a positive having people in shirts. So. Okay. Yeah. So we've gone through all the five teams now. Let's talk some more general kind of uh, division stuff and see if we can give give you some answers here. So who is the top dog here? Is there a top dog in the NL Central? Um, I don't think there is. I I don't know. It, it's pretty neck and neck with the Cardinals and the Brewers, and the strengths are on different sides of the uh, the field. Uh, the Cardinals have the leg up in the, the lineup, I think. Um, even if the Brewers lineup ends up being – uh, the better end of what we think it could be. Um, I still think behind Arenado, Goldschmidt, 
recently broken out Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, a probably soon to break out Dylan Carlson. I can't see uh, the Brewers lineup outperforming that lineup really in at all um, in the scheme of things. Now, pitching is where I think the Brewers kind of run away with it because the Cardinals have some they have some dudes. Don't get me wrong. They've got Giovanni Gallegos in the pen. They've got Jordan Hicks, who uh, throws 105. I think he's got the, the fastest pitch on record at 105.6 or something. He, he threw faster than our oldest Chapman. Um, they've still got some young guys coming up that could be really good, but really when Adam Wainwright's your ace at 40 years old, that really doesn't give you a whole lot of hope that you're going to have a dominant rotation. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't see one of these two teams as being a juggernaut necessarily and running away with this division. I think it's going to be really a fight to the end. And I agree that, you know, Brewers have the leg up in the pitching side, Cardinals on the hitting side, but overall, I think they're comparable teams overall. Yeah. Um, Cubs. We're not exactly sure the direction. We didn't really talk about Stroman that much, but Right before the lockout, they signed Stroman, so it kind of makes you wonder what what the timeline is. Along with the Wilson Contreras uh, extension decision, they signed Stroman, and he's a guy that's kind of in his pitching prime right here. Uh, they're going to get probably pretty good production from him, but if he's the only thing, it, it doesn't really make sense to make that move alone. So could more moves be coming like a, like a big one? Yeah, and I think the Cubs have lucked into some really good stuff here this offseason. Uh, lucking into Wade Miley when they did. Um, being able to bring in Stroman. Uh, they've, got some, they've got some good young players on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Nico, obviously. Uh, Madrigal's going to get a lot of contact and could potentially get on base a lot. Um, you got a power guy over in Wiz. So like there's a lot of guys to build around. And if uh, Ian Happ returns back to his 2020 self uh, when he was just an absolute monster at the plate, um, I could see this lineup being not too far out of contention um, if they get another couple pieces here and there. They probably need an established veteran bat um, to go kind of at DH or first base. A shortstop Um, named Carlos Correa. That would work. That would probably work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Cubs have kind of lucked into some stuff that I think they are in a prime position to make some moves and be competitive here and potentially get maybe not win the division, but at a minimum compete for a wild card. So, and if this is, if it's just a one year kind of thing where they are not quite at the top of the division and then they, they make even more moves the following off season, there's no reason they shouldn't be. A competitive team in this division by 2023. Yeah, this is definitely not a full teardown rebuild tank situation for the Cubs. Unless they go out and they trade Wilson Contreras, then it changes everything. I, yeah, it definitely still won't be as long as the last rebuild, but it would be a bit closer to that. Yeah, that would be, that would be tough. That'd be tough to, to take in, but anyways, uh, so Reds, 
Uh, no, no major league free agent additions. They're clearly not trying to spend money here, even though they looked like they were kind of on their way to being competitive in this uh, division as recently as 2020 and 2021, because they go out and they get Castellanos, they get Moose. Uh, they look like they're going all in and now they're just, they've just backed it off. And that's just a function of the way they run the, this, uh, this franchise really. Yeah, they they hammer down for a year. If it doesn't work, they let off the pedal. Yeah, and that's kind of how they've always been. Um, so they're kind of letting off the pedal now. I don't really see them competing for anything higher than about third place in this division. And honestly, I'd feel pretty confident in locking them into number four. Yeah, if a lot of things go right in their lineup, it's it can be. It can be pretty good. It was actually pretty good last year. I mean, they're losing Castellanos, but pitching is okay, I guess. This is just an average team, I think. And it yeah. could be really bad. It could be, I mean, it could be. They could, they could accidentally be really good. We don't know. Yeah, we but, really don't know. But it's not a team that gives you a lot of hope for no. this season. Like, you definitely don't think you're going to be the bottom of the division. I'm really confident in saying that. Um, but outside of that, there's not really a whole lot you can confidently say. They might still lose 90 games. They might win 90 games. It's just kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. So I think we can say they will be probably somewhere between those two things, but we, we actually don't know. Anyways, uh, pirates. So they're rebuilding. Are we confident in this rebuild or are they maybe headed in the wrong direction? Are they the Rockies? I, I like their top six prospects. I like them a lot. Um, outside of that, I don't really know. Cause it's, it's just prospects. Like, the prospecting they may been, pan out going they may well, not. right? Like they they've built yeah, up like, actually quite they, a good farm system. Yeah, they've got Henry Davis, Quinn Priester, uh, who's a, a pitcher that should be really good. O'Neill Cruz is their number three. Leover Paguero. Um, he's the well, and all these guys are in the top hundred. Like Henry Davis is the number twenty, Quinn Priester's the number fifty seven, O'Neill yeah. Cruz the number sixty five, Paguero's the number seventy seven, Roency Contreras the number eighty three, and Nick Gonzalez a second base prospect rounding out um, their top six at number 93 in the all MLB top 100 rankings. So like the top end of their, um, their prospect list is awesome. It, but prospects don't always pan out. So if you have a hit rate on top hundred prospects is 66%, you get four of those guys. You got, you're pretty much guaranteeing you have a middle, uh, middle infield guy. They feel pretty confident Henry Davis isn't going to bust. Um, and then a couple pitchers. So, like, it probably isn't enough to tip the scales. They're going to have to go out and start spending money, and they're going to have to start spending money soon if they want to make this rebuild worth it. Yeah. I do think it's... I think it's headed in the right direction. You can see some signs of, of good things happening. And they've got a couple, like guys that could be really good in the lineup itself with Hayes and uh, Reynolds. Yeah. And then if they really wanted to, if they feel like they're years out, Brian Reynolds could be the guy that they, that they move for a huge haul because he's coming off such a great season and 
he's got years of control. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think that Pirates fans aren't going to be waiting another, what, 20 some years before they get a winning record. Yeah. Hopefully but, not. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll get, we'll go through a couple of these uh, little questions here. Um, who's a, who's a hitter in this division you've got your eye on in this season? So I'm going to, I'm going to sound incredibly biased on this one. Um, I'm just going to throw that one right out there. Uh, Dylan Carlson is my, my hitter to watch. I mean, he was third in rookie of the year last year, hitting 266 uh, with 18 home runs um, across uh, 619 plate appearances, uh, 343 OBP kind of struck out a decent, a decent click at 24%. Um, but he walked 9.2% and he's, he's the Cardinals top pro or he was the Cardinals top prospect. And for a really good reason, the dude is awesome. Like there, there's a, a more, uh, I would say there's probably a 65% chance. He just absolutely pops off this year and breaks out to be the superstar player that everyone thinks that he can be. Um, and so like at his, at his best, I honestly think he's probably a two ninety guy with about 35 home runs and solid outfield defense, not elite, but solid. Um, and he, he's probably, he could very likely be the Cardinals cornerstone player for the next about six years. Um, more if they extend him, but he's only 23 years old. So there's a lot of hope there. Yeah, I mean, getting 35 home runs from anyone like that would be that would be pretty good. Uh, my guy is uh, Luis Urias from the Brewers, and he um, kind of can play multiple positions. He hasn't really found one spot, and he's actually like rated out pretty bad defensively, but offensively. This guy looks like he's kind of figuring things out finally. He was a top prospect for the uh, Padres before he got traded. He ended up hitting 249, 345, 445. He had 23 homers. Um, he's gonna be he's been gonna be given like the everyday chance to to really be one of the middle of the order hitters for the Brewers. And if he takes the next step, um, like kind of similar to Carlson. Like he, he's a guy that could, you know, maybe be a 30 home run guy. Like he already did uh, 23 home runs this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that pick too. I, I think Arias could be really, really good. Um, he wasn't quite as high on the, the prospect rankings boards as Carlson, but those things aren't always right either. So he could very easily be a superstar player. But. Um, pitcher to watch this year. All right, so my pitcher to watch, I'm not going to be biased this time. Uh, I'm going to go all the way over to the team that already has the best pitching staff in probably the uh, whole major leagues uh, over to Milwaukee, and Aaron Ashby is my guy. He pitched uh, 31 and two-thirds innings last year, 11 and two-thirds as a starter, and 20 as a reliever. And his uh, kind of base numbers weren't eye-popping. Uh, he had a 4.63 ERA and is about 12 innings as a starter and a 4.5 as a reliever. But when you start looking more at his advanced stats and stuff, he starts looking a lot better. Um, his fielding independent pitching uh, was down 3.5 as a reliever, 3.7 as a starter. 
that's that's a huge difference from his actual ERA. And then his XFIPs were way lower than that. So he kind of got screwed from a luck standpoint there a bit. Um, he He's a hard thrower. He throws a lot of strikes. Um, he's a 30% strikeout rate guy uh, in 2021 as a reliever, but there's a lot of upside there. Plus, he was like the Brewers' like number two prospect for like the last two or three years. So yeah. and- I, I really like Aaron Ashby. I don't know where he's going to pitch this year, if he's going to be a reliever, if he's going to be a uh, the fifth starter. I don't know, but I like that guy. Yeah, he's kind of like in a similar position as Freddie Peralta coming into 21, uh, 2021. People didn't really know if Peralta was going to be back in the bullpen or if he was going to get in the rotation. They gave him a shot, and he just went and ran with that job. So maybe Ashby can do that this year. Like, he's got crazy uh, strikeout potential, and, you know, he's got kind of a – if you've seen him pitch, he's like a left-hander, and he's got a kind of like weird delivery that's very deceptive to the hitters. So, I mean, looking at the Brewers' track record with all these starting pitchers that they've developed, Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta, I mean, who's who's to say that uh, Aaron Ashby's not the next guy in, in the list? Yeah, well, and scouts absolutely loved him. Yeah. Um, so, because he was, um, or his pitch is grayed out current and future. His fastball, slider, and changeup are all 60s. Like, that's, that's nuts. That's not just plus. That's like borderline elite stuff. Yep. Um, with kind of average command, but I mean, if you got stuff, you can, you can pitch. So. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, finish off with uh, a prospect to watch in the NL Central. That's a, that's a tough one. Cause I don't I got really... my guy. You you think on it then? Yeah, you go first. My guy is uh, O'Neill Cruz. So you mentioned him earlier. He's a six-seven shortstop. There's really never been a six-seven shortstop that ever stuck at the position long term. So I think it'll just be fun to see how that goes. And you also mentioned his debut last year, where he hit a ball 118 miles per hour. He only hit five. He only put five balls in play last season. Uh, he only played like a couple games i think and to hit a ball 118 miles per hour you're in the top percentile i believe or 99th percentile whatever you want to call it like you're up there with aaron judge and stanton so i think they should give him the run at shortstop see prove that he can't do it before you move him off to the outfield or whatever and let's just see this guy hit some bombs for the pirates yeah, I I think he's going to be a great guy to watch. I kind of wish that he would stay at uh, AAA a little bit because I want to go watch him. <laughs> but oh well. oh, well, I guess I'll just go over to Cincinnati whenever he's there. Yeah, Um, I- I'm kind of stuck on on mine still. Like I got two guys here that I think are both like really, really good to watch. One of them we've talked about. One of them I mentioned in passing. Which one do you think? Uh, is Nolan Gorman you thinking of? Uh, that's the one that we mentioned in passing. Uh, but Hunter Green's the other one. So they're both top 20 prospects in, in all of baseball this year. Hunter Green at number 12. Uh, and this is according to Keith Law. Um, the MLB rankings have not come out for 2022. But according to Keith Law, Hunter Green is the number 12 in all of baseball, and Nolan Gorman's the 17. 
Um, Hunter Green throws 101 mile an hour as a starter. Um, he's hit 104 in games as a starter. Uh, he was the second overall pick in 2017. Gorman for the Cardinals is uh, a guy who they drafted at a high school um, who is just an elite power guy out of high school. Um, and he's up uh, at A now, and he's got 80-grade power. He's going to be hit about 240, most likely at, at max, but the power is kind of why you want him. And it's shown up in the in the minors, and it looks like he's going to be able to translate to the majors, at least power-wise. Um, so I think both of those guys are going to debut pretty early this year. And I... I don't know. They're they're both some really uh, big prospects to keep an eye out on because both of them could be in the rookie of the year um, chase there at the end of the season. For sure. And one other thing on Gorman is that he actually, when he went to AAA, when he got promoted to AAA this past year, he cut his strikeout rate a lot, which was really impressive to see because he had struggled with that in the lower levels of the minors. So it made everyone think that he would be kind of that low average, uh, just big power guy, but maybe he could be more. And he did it while playing second base for the first time. Yep. So the fact that he's able to continue working on his swing, strike out less while learning a new position at the level right below the majors, it's kind of impressive. That gives me a lot of hope for him when he comes up. Yes, sir. So let's finish off with this one real quick. We're running a little bit long here, but... What is your, uh, how do you project this uh, standings to finish out one through five? Much as I hate to say it, uh, Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, Pirates. And I think that the Brewers will win 94 games. Okay, I think the Cardinals are going to win, but hopefully I'm just uh, jinxing them here by predicting it. But You're, you're Card- going full Bob Nightingale? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cardinals, Brewers, uh, Reds, Cubs, Pirates. I like that. I like that better than mine. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this was fun. Uh, we went pretty deep on the NL Central. We know this division really well and we watch it a lot. So good one to start with. I think most of these teams are pretty near what they'll look like on opening day. I think more than any other division, really. So I think it was a good one to start with. Where do you want to go next? AL Central? Yeah, let's stick with the Centrals. Let's do AL next week. Okay, sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Once again, make sure you subscribe, uh, review us on your favorite podcasting platform, and uh, follow us on Getaway at Getaway Day Pod on Facebook and Twitter. and. Have a good one.